He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome, everybody, back to the Anthony Irwin Show. I am Anthony Irwin, joined today by uh, somebody who, I feel like I've been saying this a lot lately, but somebody who ha should have been on the show earlier than he actually is on the show. He writes for the New York Times. He has a book currently out called Mistranslations. He has a book coming out, uh, Kay Adas's second act, that comes out on July 5th. So he is uh, up on the scoreboard, two books to zero to me. <laughs> so Pandeb is on with us. Thank you very much for hopping on with us, man. How you doing? Thanks so much for having me. And 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 I'm up on the scoreboard for now. You have you have to <laughs> July 5th to write two books. <laughs> All I'm right. Gonna get... I'm I'm gonna cut this thing short then so I can get started. I'm gonna <laughs> um no, no thank you very much for hopping on with us. Today we're gonna talk about uh winning time and the response to it. Uh Nikola Jokic won MVP earlier today, and I find the discourse about it interesting and exhausting at the same time so we're going to hit on that and then anything else that comes up um we'll 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 cross that territory when we get there um let's start though with winning time because it just wrapped yesterday last night uh and i, I finished the series really enjoyed the series but what i have found really interesting to it or about it is the response from the subjects and i think it's a really fascinating kind of uh, example of what people expect journalism to be, but what journalism isn't, right? People expect journalism to be commercials. They want them, you know, the subjects of this journalism or the subjects of, of nonfiction stuff. Uh, people expect them or the subjects expect them to be PR and commercials. And that's not what they are. Yeah. They, they, you have to tell, kind of the dark side of, of characters in order to highlight the bright spots uh, that that adversity creates for these people. And I thought Winning Time did a fantastic job to me of showing the growth of the various characters and showing how, you know, the, the shortcomings that they had at, say, the beginning of the season really kind of made it so that you could watch the growth and uh i don't know from your perspective as you've kind of watched this and watched the reaction to it what what has stood out to you as far as what the people who were really angry about it seem to be missing or if you or if you agree with them then i you know that's fascinating too well the notion of being mis angry with your portrayal mm -hmm. on a fiction show designed for entertainment is a t tried and true has been going on for decades in, in in the way people are written about in books, films. I mean, recently, I mean, there was a, there was I mean, as recently as um, you know, like 2017, there was a Hugh Jackman film called The Front Runner, where mm -hmm. he plays Gary Hart, and the guy who portrays the journalist who, uh, you know, uh, brought brush shined a light on uh, Gary Gary Hart's alleged um, affairs was a guy named Tom Fiedler. And Tom Fiedler, who was at the time the dean of the Boston University Journalism School, he was so angry about his portrayal that he did the same thing Jerry West did. He wrote 
a letter. I mean, this has been going on forever. Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg with the social network. Mm -hmm. um, although he had a much, he was much chiller about that movie actually, but this has been going on forever. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things where I kind of feel like everybody could be in the right. So for example, Anthony, mm. if, if someone made a movie about your life yeah, and they did not ask you for your thoughts, they did not ask you for your input on the script, they did not ask you for any help on research, they did not consult with you on anything, mm. would you be excited for that movie or TV show to happen? I will. I I I 100% would not. And I've yeah. written a memoir about my life. And um, if that memoir was to be turned into a TV show or or a film, there's no way I'm letting that happen without me having you know significant some input, input on how I'm mm -hmm. being portrayed. So if you're you're, I can understand the anger from the people that are portrayed in the show because there's and there's other aspects too, right? The people, the creating behind Winning Team, they're making a lot of money off the stories of magic johnson yeah. Jerry west kareem, kareem abdul jabbar pat riley and the list goes on and on they're making they're, they're they're profiting on a commercial so i can understand the anger with that being said mm -hmm. you know if you are a creative team and you are going to do this show is that show going to be more honest more creatively honest with magic johnson participation or without him and and so to me this is one of those things where Every, you know, I think Jerry West and all these guys have a, every right to be angry. Absolutely. But I also think the creative team behind Winning Time has every right to do their show the way they want to do their show. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, their show is not a journalistic enterprise. It's entertainment. That's what it's strictly entertainment. And and so if you go in and and I think the audience, we should, they're not stupid. You know, people watching yeah. the show, I don't think they're expecting to watch a documentary. I think they're expecting to watch a fun show about the 1980s Lakers. So anyway, this is one of those things where I, I hate to be the Rob Lowe wearing the NFL hat, <laughs> you know, here. But yeah. it's. I think it's a show where every. I, I think this is one of those things where everybody has beef or or the, the, the people portrayed in the show have legitimate beef. But I also think it's perfectly fine for the creators, creative team behind Wing Tree to disregard that beef. Because it's not their job to make a show that Jerry West is happy with. It's their job to make a show that the masses and HBO are happy with. Would you have gotten input from Magic, from Jerry, from Kareem? If you were, if you were a showrunner here, would you, have, would you have used their input here if it meant that there were certain subjects you weren't allowed to touch? No. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I, sorry, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be that. I, I don't know. I, I don't know mm -hmm. the answer to that because uh, if if you get Jerry West's input, but Jerry West says, you know, hey, like, I, I'm, not, I'm totally making this up. I just know for legal, yeah. legal disclaimer, I'm totally this might be this might be uh, heard in front of the Supreme Court. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, luckily we'll find out about it ahead of time if that's the case. But no. Um, but um, but if Jerry West and I'm again I'm totally making this up. This is not a true thing. But Jerry West is you know I'd love to give you my input. I, I'm going to sign on and be a consultant for your show. But you cannot talk about this unsavory thing that happened in 1981 that I'm not proud of. Mm -hmm. You cannot put this in the show, even if it's a formative thing that happened. You know I I'm vetoing that from the show. Yeah. Well then that's not an honest portrayal. That's not honest creatively. That's not honest. You know, you know from a narrative perspective and. And so that's that's where the line is. Now, if I if I ask Jerry West for his help and he says, yeah, here, here's what here's here's what happened from my perspective. And he doesn't ask for any other conditions. 
mm-hmm. you know, then that's a different thing. But it, I don't know that that would happen. Yeah. You know? and, well, and I think I think we know pretty definitively, especially with magic. Like, I watched. So it's it's kind of funny the way it played out, where Winning Time comes out, and Magic's Apple documentary, air quotes documentary comes out, and they came out at the same time. And one, obviously, Winning Time was more interesting, more entertaining. Um, shocker that that HBO would put together a, a more entertaining thing than than uh, Magic might. And and then the other thing, too, was I, I, I thought Magic's documentary, because a lot of his life and his career has been documented, it was, it was at times as disingenuous as Winning Time was, right? Where, well, where like, and- there, there was, like, no mention whatsoever of Isaiah Thomas, the, you know, wondering out loud if, if Magic yeah. Johnson was gay. And, like, that we was ha- just not a, remember. What are we doing? We have to remember something, that the way the media ecosystem is now athletes expect to be coddled mm-hmm. and and you look at the last dance which kind of set the precedent yeah this big cultural event that was not a documentary no i mean it was technically a documentary but it was hagiography hey, right yeah. and athletes saw that and they said oh yeah i want to do that for my legacy so since <laughs> right. then what has happened Russell Westbrook did a documentary for Showtime. Kevin Garnett did a documentary for Showtime. Tom Brady has a long one in the works. Derek Jeter has a long one in the works. You saw the magic one from Apple. There's now like this expectation that, you know, athletes, um, there, there, there's now a- athletes expect to tell their own story without any sort of challenging. Yeah. And they get to, to burnish their own legacy. And that's their right. You know, they get to do that. They have yeah. access to the airwaves and, and whatever. But then when something like winning time comes along, okay, you know, that uh that um challenge that, that that's a challenge to what is quickly becoming the status quo for mm-hmm. athletes that want to just put out press releases and call it content. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right. I I was I watched I remember while uh, the last dance was was out and as it was airing remember it was in the middle of covid right so nobody was watching any sports or whatever so it was this it was the closest thing to live sports that we all could kind of come together and watch together uh and and as a result i think that really helped it i think the fact that it's michael you know and there was some unseen footage before helped it but at the end of the day i walked away from it like what did we learn I, I didn't, you know, me personally, I didn't really learn anything new about Michael or about that team. And what we're eventually going to arrive at, I think, is like, I want to see Scottie Pippen's last dance. I want to see Dennis Rodman's last dance. I want to see, and as, and as these different, uh, you know, PR releases, press releases get, get sent out and you see the conflicts between them, like that's, that's the middle ground. And, and, you know, it just makes you realize why, journalists and journalism is so important because they are the arbiter of the closest thing to truth they are the they it's it's our job or your job i'm not a journalist but it's your job to find all right listen to that side of it listen to this side of it piece these things together and try to explain to the audience what the 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 so-called truth might be whereas now if if all you're doing if 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 you watched the last dance or if you watched magic johnson's documentary on apple you walk away from it and you're like 
Okay, so based on this, there was never any real adversity. The closest thing to right. adversity was like that time that they got a bad call in a game. Like what? <laughs> and 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 that and that's where I that's where I get I found myself kind of frustrated. And, and frankly, like as this as winning time was being filmed and as it was getting ready to come out, all of the subjects of it getting as angry and as hot and bothered as they were about it made me more interested in the show. <laughs> I did. Okay. I have to say though, I did enjoy Kareem's reaction. And okay. I, I loved Kareem's reaction of saying, Hey, Hey, look, I don't have a problem with the portrayal. It's just not a great show. Like yeah. as a, as a person that delves in creative writing, uh -huh. okay, if, so, if someone like said to me, man, listen, I didn't have a problem with, anything in the book it just wasn't good <laughs> i would be devastated that would devastate me yeah and i'll tell you a story i i will i, I won't say who but uh i i did a profile one of uh, once of an nba figure and the rep for the piece and it wasn't like it wasn't the friendliest profile whatever but the rep for the person uh we talked afterwards i was like hey what'd you think of the piece and and he goes well you know there was nothing wrong in the piece factually it just wasn't a very good piece and i was like oh like how can i even i can't even get angry at that i'm just hurt yeah. that's just hurtful <laughs> to me and, yeah. and that, if more like a lot of pr people they will react angrily like you got this wrong this is not framed correctly this is oh, what they should do more often is just say you know like you couldn't the, the verbs in the third sentence could have used a little bit more punch <laughs> a little bit more adjective please you know i like yeah. what like where you did really you, didn't paint the picture here right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like, so I, I, Kareem is is so, so so was so brilliant. It's like wow, like he wrote. I think like I thought. Don't look up was a fluke and how bad it was. No, maybe Adam McKay just not. He's just not very. He might just not be very talented. You know, in yeah. that very Kareem voice. You know. Yeah, maybe maybe that's the move. Is Kareem needs to executive produce an Adam McKay movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and uh listen and if there are there is someone that i would love to see a last dance style documentary series on it's kareem abdul jabbar yeah. i would love to hear kareem's life story if it, if there was honesty to it and i don't mean honesty on the part of kareem i mean just like in, in the way the production in the, mm -hmm. if they said to if they say hey we're gonna do this but we're gonna do this honestly we're gonna we're not gonna you know kind of um uh, overlook anything we're not gonna yeah. we're gonna use it in an honest way that'd be a really interesting um documentary but too many when it comes to public figures those documentaries are becoming less and less common i mean if you go back to the 2012 campaign you had a mitt romney documentary um coming out after the after he lost 2012 campaign like when i was mm -hmm. on netflix and it showed mitt romney in a very different light it showed him a little bit more jovial a little bit more you know kind mm -hmm. of loose. and and these kind of celebrity run documentaries um someone once likened it to me as as a um as a home video like when you go on a, yeah. on a vacation with your family and you watch the home video back later you're not you're not rolling the camera when your one-year-old is crying and wailing at the airport <laughs> yeah. you're rolling the camera when they're jumping around in the pool yeah you know, when they're when they're when they're you know uh you know playing with the clown at the theme park you know, you're mm -hmm. not, you're only showing the best parts of it. Right. And well, so it's like, it's social. That's what social media is. Right. Like oh, oh, it was just mother's day this last weekend and everybody was on Facebook and Twitter and showing off. 
I cooked a prime rib and it turned out really good. Yeah. Had I had I burnt it, I probably don't put that on social media. <laughs> like I probably I probably say like, oh you I ordered prime rib from Outback and they screwed up the prime rib. <laughs> like, <Right>. you know. <laughs> um no, I, I, I get what you're saying. And I and like I said, I I understand why these public figures, especially if they can, if they have the resources to tell their story their way, that it's just not interesting. Like to, to go back to what you said about Kareem and his criticism of the show, he says, it's just not a good show. Like, that's what I walked away watching Magic's documentary. It was like, yeah, that was boring. I knew it was going to be boring. I follow this guy on Twitter. I've heard him talk on ESPN. Like, it was just, I, I knew it was going to be boring and it was. And, and, and you know, there, there, there were some interesting, like his, it was funny. They got Jimmy Kimmel to talk about the Magic Hour, the, the, the failed uh, show that Magic did. And they got Cookie to talk about the time, you know, the three different engagements that they blew through before they eventually got married. And, and like what you do walk away from it, if you kind of read between the lines, is like everybody knows Magic as this is going to sound harsh. Everybody knows him as kind of a quitter. Like when things get kind of difficult, he tends to run away. And we saw that with his I, running yeah, of the yeah, Lakers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, and, and, and then he finds his new thing. He latches onto that. And if it's fun and if it, if he's really good at it, then he sticks with it, um, till, till the bitter end. And, and, and I think like that, but it, it requires you to watch the documentary in a certain way. It requires you to really kind of think critically. And my question to you is like, as somebody who, you know, is a journalist, does all this stuff, um, for a living and as a career, like is is it just going to be on the reader on the viewer to correctly watch these things now because if that's the case then i don't i don't know if anybody's really going to get the intended message or the the, the message uh, they should walk away from this question stuff. um it, it's it's a, it's a, it's hard to know um because i'm not you know i'm not convinced that when it comes to athletes famous athletes that audiences want honest documentaries it's mm. almost like they want yeah, athletes to like burnish the mythology. Like, think about this, right? Like, when you you know, look like you're a Lakers fan, when you root. No, for I'm the... a Kings fan. I'm pissed that they didn't hire Mark Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> when you root for the Lakers, and if the Lakers, you know, you look at. I mean, respectfully, I mean, look at the way the Lakers compartmentalized um, Kobe Bryant. Mm -hmm. You know, the you know you know over the last you know de uh, dozen years of his career. Yeah, I, I mentioned that because I think people want to. They don't want, they don't want to think they want of, to feel good. They want to feel good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so I'm not, I'm not sure that the audience that is watching these documentaries wants to hear about the flaws. Like mm -hmm. they want to hear about flaws that the athletes overcome. Yeah. Right? You know, that, that's what they, they want don't want hear. the fatal flaw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, so anyway, all that said, I'm not convinced that at, you know the audience audience sports audiences want honesty i'm also not convinced that sports audiences want like high-minded intellectual talk as opposed to like the Stephen a smith you know kind of take world like yeah i see a lot of co complaints on twitter about how kendrick perkins is a this and and i can't believe Stephen a smith said that and shannon sharp said this and skip bayless said this let me tell you something like if 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 we wanted much more much smarter much more kind of you know, nuanced, analytic-based discussions about the sports we're seeing. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of places for that. They're not nearly as popular or draw the numbers that, like, first take gets. You know what yeah. I mean? 
And, yeah. and there's something to be said for that. So, I mean, so I think it's all connected in some way. Yeah, that's interesting. The the notion of, like, you know, yeah, you're right. I, I am a Lakers fan, but I also, I cover the Lakers. And um, when the Lakers traded for Russell Westbrook, I said and tweeted and, and like in my analysis, I said, this isn't going to work. I don't see how this is going to work. And at that time, Lakers fans were livid with me. You know, at, at how dare you, you call yourself a Lakers fan, this and that and whatever. And, 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 you know, my job, I think is to, as things happen, explain why they happened, explain why what's next might come next. Right. And, and so when I, when I was out there analyzing the Russell Westbrook trade, analyzing the offseason that the Lakers had, um, you know, it was critical and it's funny over the course of the year, as the Lakers just continued to walk into a wall just over and over and over again, uh, I had more and more people say like, Hey man, I, I'm sorry for the things that I said to you back in the off season, <laughs> but you wound, you wound up being right How about this. The, that's a hold, hold this crown. <laughs> because right. I, I have had way too often the opposite thing. Uh huh. Which, which is very, very convincing. Well, you do. You you were in politics. Like people aren't. Well, gonna, it's a lot easier to admit no, no, that like I, my sports team sucked than no, it is no, to I'm like talk about the other. Oh, okay. I, I I've actually went to my boss and I've said, "You've got to please don't ask me to make predictions anymore because mm -hmm. every single thing I say is wrong." Like <laughs> I thought Westbrook was going to be great with the Lakers. Oh no! I thought, you know, I, every like I have so many like documented mistakes that uh -huh. there's a reason that there's i mean i would fit in well frankly on first take going back forever like you know i think at some point you know i was frustrated enough with the celtics i was like you know jalen brown should be traded for benson you know like you know i listen listen that you were able to correctly assess russell westbrook from the start and uh, is is you know tip 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 of the cap to you because yeah. uh, i i've had completely opposite experience and um in every well, single NBA matter related matter <laughs> well I, it, it's not even it's not even like i'm 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 sitting here right it's just i find i find the fan experience in 2022 really interesting because like you're talking about like people want pr as journalism subjects want it the 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 uh the viewer, the audience wants it. And, and it, it makes me wonder if journalism is just going to turn into that. Like we've already seen people who were, you know, Kevin Ding worked for the OC register. He works for the Lakers now. And, and, um, Royce young, white young. Yeah. Royce young works for the, uh, also in the news recently. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wrong, 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 wrong Royce. Uh, but Royce Young works for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Lee Jenkins, maybe like one of the best writers of NBA stuff ever, now works for the Clippers. And I think these these uh, entities, these powerful entities, uh, Pete Zayas, who my my former co-host on Lockdown Lakers, now works for the Lakers. They have they have realized like, hey, if I employ people with a large and and trusting audience. Uh, if I employ them, then I can steer the narrative. I can handle how news comes out about me and how people feel about the news as it comes out. And, you know, I, I, it makes me again wonder if, if journalism is just going to turn into PR. Is that say, again, this is, this is, I always joke with Harrison because he's also, he comes from a journalism background. 
and I, I always just kind of needle him like, hey, man, are, are, is this what this is turning into? I'm legit curious if, if that's what you think this is turning into. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I, I hesitate to offer too much, you know, media criticism because, you know, it's it's a small world. It's a small world. And, and look, you know, I, it's not like The New York Times is some perfect yeah. entity like we, we make plenty of mistakes. I'm certainly not any sort of, you know, perfect NBA reporter. Mm -hmm. um, you know, <laughs> I'm sure the DMs of other NBA reporters are filled with, you know, um, lines from pieces I've written or tweets that I've sent out that are like, can you believe this guy gets paid to do this? And the answer is, <laughs> I can't. You know? No, me neither. <laughs> yeah, people people ask me, how do you, how did you, if I knew, I would tell, I would write a book. <laughs> but I'm still down um, zero two so, to so pandemic. So, so. <laughs> building glass houses situations, right? Yeah. Um, but I do think there are, you know, there has been this increasing blurring of the lines between, for example, you know, there's been there's been increased reliance on, I'll call it access journalism, and that I think can be kind of corrosive. Um, a lot of like agents getting press releases mm. through report being laundered through reporters um and that i think is bad because a lot of because i think reporters will hold their criticism or hold negative reporting on a player so they can maintain their access that's that that i think is a problematic trend we've seen a lot of that in the last couple of years um and so you know that that's that's something you know and as far as as far as look, as far as reporters going to work for teams, uh, look, uh, just because you're a reporter doesn't mean that's a life sentence. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. oh no, I'm not holding it against anybody yeah, for like, taking if, employment. If, if someone wants to try something new and, yeah. and try. Look, at the end of the day, the day here's the truth about the media. It's a shrinking industry. There mm -hmm. are layoffs happening like almost every day. Yeah. If you have a steady job at a newspaper on a Monday, you might not have a job. You might be on the unemployment line by uh, by Tuesday, and that's mm -hmm. how I have been laid off multiple times. So I, I know what that's like. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you work for a team, the NBA is not going to fold. You know, yeah. the NBA is not going to get. You know, you know there aren't many layoffs in the NBA. Like I certainly, if you love basketball, I certainly see the lure of. You know what? I'm tired of being a journalist. I'm tired of not getting paid much, and I'm tired of I'm tired of worrying about my job security. I'm going to go work for the you know the Lakers. You know, one of the most um, high, highly uh, rated, high, high, uh, a franchise with high net value or whatever the mm -hmm. network. Like, yeah, that's that's appealing. Um, that doesn't bother me. No. What bothers me more is if while you have the job of a journalist, if you aren't being a journalist while you do that, you know, and that's that that's problematic for me. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, shoot. Adam Schefter, right? It was was caught red handed, red markered. Um, you know, it turns out and, and, and yeah, like that's, I, I'm never going to hold it against anybody who opts for any kind of employment. Cause you you get your job, you get your money where you can. Right. Um, it's just like you're saying, I, I take issue with people still seeing that person as a journalist while they are clearly not any longer a journalist, you know, that's, that's where, that's where you know, that, that line getting blurred by the audience really makes me nervous because the fact that people might not make that, uh, might not discern those two things. Right. It really, that really makes me nervous about where we're heading 
um, as as we go here. And, and I think winning time as it like I was actually really intrigued, uh, you know, every time I tweeted about winning time and every time I, I just kind of said, like, man, this is a really that I, I really enjoy the show. Yeah. Um, I really find it funny that Jerry West is acting exactly as his character would act in, in response to the show. Uh, and and the number of people who were I, I, I feel like I was watching them remember what journalism was <laughs> or what what nonfiction is, um, even as it's a fictional show. But like I, I was watching these people just kind of like remember in real time. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what this is like. Man, it would have been nice if the last dance was a little closer to actual journalism, so we could have learned more about Michael than the fact that he ate the whole pizza the night before the the flu game. You know. <laughs> well, and the last dance is like particular. I mean, it, it was it was misleading in a couple ways, right? It was it was ostensibly about the '98 run to the final, mm -hmm. but it ended up being mostly about Michael Jordan's career. Yeah. Uh, and so if you are going to do a documentary on Michael Jordan's career then that should include his Wizards tenure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You have to go in here. Right? His, his ownership of, of the Hornets and the fact that they haven't paid any luxury taxes since he's owned them. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I, but I do think those are, those are things to explore. If you are going to do a retrospective of Michael Jordan. Yeah. Know, that's part of his story. The, if you, and one of the best sports books I've read, ever read is a book by, called when nothing else matters by Michael Leahy, a Washington post writer who documented Jordan's time with the Wizards. And there are amazing stories in there about how Doug Collins, uh, you know, but it, it, Jordan was, Doug Collins was essentially the coach, but Jordan was really dictating things. Mm -hmm. How, you know, how much the younger players on the team really didn't enjoy playing with Jordan, you know, just, just how much, you know, you know, I, I mean, it wasn't, yeah. it's not a sparkling chapter in Jordan's career in some no. way. In other ways, you have a guy that's 40 years old still putting up 20 a night and, and still like drawing solid crowds wherever he goes. And that part's interesting too. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I just, I, 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 you know, this is, this is where, you know, it, it, when, when Michael Jordan's literally a producer on your documentary about himself, you're not going to get, you're not going to get any, you know, truly negative looks at his kind of yeah. career. That's just, yeah. this is not going to happen. Like, I'm going to guess that the Magic, I haven't, I haven't watched the Magic Johnson doc, doc. I'm guessing it does not go into like his five and 11 coaching record. He was, <laughs> when he was coach of the Lakers for that. Net. It didn't it, even it, mention that he coached. Like it yeah, just, it just, I mean, it, does, it didn't even happen. I mean, I'm, I'm going to guess it doesn't go into his decision to like, you know, trade Zubak for. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it didn't. I was hoping, I was hoping that the last chapter of that documentary would touch on the Lakers stuff and get more of a look. Um, from his perspective at, at how that went. But uh, if you're Matty Johnson and, and you're, you're make, doing a, a, a piece of content and that you want people to remember you by, you want to talk and focus on the 80s Showtime Lakers and kind mm -hmm. of the cultural changes that you brought upon. You're not going to, you're not going to bring up the, you're not going to bring up the D'Angelo Russell trade. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not going to happen. <laughs> Um, all right, I want to segue over to Jokic winning uh, a the MVP second in a row now, um, and for basically the last I don't know few months, maybe even all season, honestly, um, it's been every single thing that happens between Jokic and Embiid is some indictment on the other or some take that that you know it, 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 we we just finished talking about how the the line of the line between journalism and PR seems to be blurring and a lot of it, you know, I think you can, f 
find a direct correlation between how people talk about things that they are like oddly invested in. Like, I find it really weird that people are serious, like who aren't Nuggets or yeah. Sixers fans. I find it really weird yeah, people yeah. are really invested in, in who wins an MVP. Let me say something. I can't get enough of this. Uh, I, I, <laughs> there are a lot of people tweeting like, I'm so tired of the MVP just go, I can't get enough of that. I'm looking at every tweet, every single thing. I am looking at all of it because yeah. I think debates about awards are what makes following sports amazing because they're so meaningless. Yeah. They're so silly. Yeah. Even if I get my way and my favorite player wins every MVP for the rest of you know my life. Yeah. The best case scenario for myself is that the athlete has no idea who I am. The athlete gets richer, has nothing to do with me, but you know, it's, it's the most ridiculous thing for people to feel strongly about. And I feel strongly about it. <laughs> yeah. Even as, even as you recognize this is kind of stupid, but still, like, okay. If you're so are you team Jokic or Embiid then? Who do you me, I'm surprised that it was even like, that it wasn't unanimous, frankly. That like to me that to me that it was even a debate was really surprising to me. Okay. Like, it's one thing if 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 it's one thing. All right. So the, the usually MVP debates come down to three different kind of categories, right? You have, mm -hmm. you have winning, how how well your team did, uh, how much you're control, how much you're responsible for your individual team success, mm -hmm. and and then like stats, right? Those are the three. Those are the three kind of you know. Yeah, if counting stats winning, especially. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at the winning, uh, you know, Nuggets, the Nuggets were what, two games behind the Sixers. If you look at how much you contributed to the team, you know, they got to within two games of the, of the Sixers despite having, you know, Will Barton as the second best player or Monte Morris. I don't even know who Monte yeah. Morris maybe. Like, Monte Morris, like, name me a single player that the Sixers would trade for Monte Morris. Like who? Like who? Thibault? Would they trade Thibault for him? I don't no. think they would. And Thibault's like now barely getting minutes in the Sixers series against the against the Heat. So so that's that's the after the the stats part. Maybe you have an issue with PER as a stat. Fine. Mm -hmm. Maybe you have an issue with win shares as a stat. Fine. Maybe you have an issue with VORP as a stat. Great. Okay. But when he when one guy is leading every single <laughs> advanced statistic category without fail. Yeah. Every single one to me, like, okay, that's telling you something. Okay. Maybe you have an issue. And if you have an issue with every single uh, advanced statistical category, you know, then, then fine. Look at the traditional stats, which are 27, 14 and eight <laughs> on, on great efficiency. Okay. Then, then I don't know what we're talking about here, but I do want to, but leaving aside all that aside, I do want to have a, the, the, the larger thing for me in the MVP race is the discourse. There's this discourse about whether, why are these, you know, kind of dweeby, you know, non-players who can't even make a- Casuals, I think, is the term that gets lobbied. Why are they me. voting when it should be the, you know what? Yes, please have the players vote. Because yeah. I, I don't, I, listen, and let me, full disclosure, we are not allowed to vote. The New York Times has a policy in place that we are not allowed to vote on awards. Okay. And I used to feel differently about this before I was on the NBA beat, but now that I'm on the NBA beat, I don't think reporters should be voting on this stuff because no, I don't think so. A, it controls money. It, it controls money. Yes, that's that's a B. Why is it our job to reward the people that we cover? Right? Yeah. Like, why is that job? So, so leaving aside whether reporters, you know, 
Reporters shouldn't be voting on this. But the players have been, you know, I, I've been seeing this nonstop kind of drumbeat from fans and players. Like, well, these, 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 these guys who could never make, you know, get who got cut left-handed layup. Yeah. <laughs> like, why are they? But fine. Let the players vote. Let yeah. the players vote. Ask yourself if you the, the debates change that much. You know, ask yourself like if you'll be happy with that outcome. Because I don't. I honestly didn't. I honestly don't think most fans would. You know. Well, uh, like I, we we've we've given players control over stuff before and they get it wrong too like <laughs> we kobe uh was seen as or, or or like avery bradley i think is a really interesting one because players up and down the league will tell you oh yeah that guy's one of the best defensive players in the nba that guy you know has that dog in him and all of those things that they say about players who slap the floor and look like they try hard and and yet like every stat that we have that that analyzes defense will tell you no the lakers were worse when avery bradley was on the floor this year um defensively and and so like i don't i don't know how we you and i being people who didn't play at that level can explain to a player who does play at that level and now inherently just doesn't you know doesn't hold our opinion doesn't hold any weight compared to theirs because of their experience compared to our lack thereof. Listen, um, I don't know how we, I don't know how like we, we even have that conversation with them, but I, like, I, I think low key players probably want this to continue because they have something to complain about. If they get the control over these things and they, and they screw up the picks, they don't, they won't get to scream about the big, bad media. A hundred percent. But, but honestly, like, that's not our problem as journalists. If they yeah. if they if they want to screw up their own picks or get their own picks, have more say in it, go for it. But but the truth is, the reason the media votes on these awards is because of it's part of the CBA, meaning that players agreed to this. Mm-hmm. Players players could anytime say we don't want this anymore. Let's change this, and the NBA could very well agree to it. You know the I mean, why does the NBA care who? Right, like yeah. I mean, Adam well, the NBA it. wants it to be a conversation starter. Like the NBA this, wants it to be a conversation starter. Yeah, but no, yeah. honestly, I, I, I'm, I'm happy for reporters to no longer vote on the MVP award. But if we're gonna have a vote, and which I don't, and don't want one, but to me, like the jokish, the jokish discourse was just. I mean, I loved it because I just thought it was, it was nice to talk about something that wasn't like, I don't know, didn't thing. matter. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, so, it's so meaningless. Yeah. But uh, to me, Jokic was it was a Jokic was a, an incredibly he had an amazing year. Yeah, um, that 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 team would have won twenty games without him. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, like, and to me, you know, there seems some, high, honestly. 20. Yeah, maybe. But like, you're watching like last night's game between the Sixers and the Heat, and you're watching James Harden hit like crazy step backs in the fourth. And 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 you know get to the rim and you're like who on the Nuggets could do that? Like people are like oh this series the Embiid's in the second round look at look at Jokic like dude did you see what James Harden did down the stretch last night? That's a yeah. that's a guy who was an MVP candidate as recently as last year. Right. You know like well it's it's funny because it? like the fact that Jokic's teammates got hurt helps his case for for winning MVP, right. but the fact that his players his teammates are hurt hurts his ability to advance in the playoffs and yet that gets that like that gets held against him because it helps his case for mvp and it's just the whole the whole conversation about it like i it's the same thing it's the same demand i have over these documentaries just be honest like if you 
I, and well, I, because I, I would love to know why, like Nick Wright is so invested in saying that Nikola Jokic sucks. Like I, I want to know. I, I'm, I'm really curious. Like what, what gets somebody to that point? You know what's great about this? What I love about the Jokic thing is that he doesn't seem to care about any of it. No, <laughs> yeah. My buddy Adam covers the covers the Nuggets for DNVR. He's yeah, you know, yeah, and sure. and he and he'll say like, yeah, he Nikola will be really happy that he won the MVP, and he'll put it on his shelf somewhere and immediately go and and forget about it and go play with his horses for the next 16 hours like he just right. it just doesn't like, matter to him there's no lobbying on his end he's just like oh like oh i won oh cool <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious whereas you know joel and was like oh, they hate me you know the, the process it's like joel and Jokic, you might as well be telling him that like you know, the doctor, there's an extra Dr. Strange screening at like four o'clock. <laughs> you leave right now. You know, it's, yeah. what are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> it's well, so it's funny. Embiid, like, Embiid benefits from how public he is. Like, you know, when he tweeted out the, 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 I'm at my um, enemy's funeral meme. Yeah. When, yeah. Uh, when Ben Simmons got traded, all that stuff. And it's like, yeah, if you're, if you're going to benefit from that, like you will have to also recognize that there's a downside to that too, that people right. are like, you are going to be more polarizing the more that you are out there with, with those kinds of opinions and stuff. And it's just like the, the notion, yeah. what's up? I was gonna say, well, the one thing I will say, MB had a great year in yeah. probably 99 of the last hundred years, that year wins you an MVP. Yeah, probably, you know, a um, couple notable exceptions, whatever. If he has that year in 17 or whenever Russell Westbrook won the MVP, he probably wins the MVP that year. Mm -hmm. Two years ago. No, maybe not two, but like the majority of years that year wins you an MVP. The problem is, is that that year is tough to replicate. You know, yeah. if you're Joel Embiid, it's, it's such a good season. It's hard to have that kind of season again. So there's probably a little bit of like, man, I don't know if I could do this again. Well, we're seeing his body literally break down. Like we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're he's, he's falling. He might've just gotten hurt right now while played, you and I are talking. He's never played 68 games in the season before. This is the first year he played 68 games. So you're probably like, man, this was my shot and I didn't get there, yeah. you know? And so, so that there's probably a little bit of, you know, extra kind of anger that this was the best year of Joel Embiid's career. And who knows if he can get there again. Mm -hmm. And, and this might've been his best shot at MVP. While that same season in most other years wins MVP, it just so happens collide with at least two other players having generational years as well in Giannis and Jokic, you yeah. know, and it just, it just sucks, but you know, that that's, that's the break sometimes. Yeah. I, well, I, even, I, even probably Iverson's year, the year that Iverson won MVP, if Jokic has now grant, I mean, let's in this fictional world, let's say Jokic is uh, Joe, Joel Embiid's playing on another team, you know, Embiid probably wins the MVP. Yeah. You know, this was well, Shaq had a great year the year that Iverson won the MVP. Like Shaq, Shaq right. had an incredible yeah. season that that year that that Iverson won that. Tim Duncan had a great year. It's yeah. it it just so happens that the NBA has a lot of talent and these guys are capable of having some incredible seasons. And some yeah. you have to, somebody has to get second, and it sucks to get second on 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 this when you had as great a season as Joel Embiid did. But like I, you I don't know. Like you know what's great about MVP debates? They're very fast and furious for like two months. In about two months, no one's ever gonna remember this. Like people will remember. <laughs> like the debate will like. Do you like this? Isn't even the most divisive MVP debate in recent years. The most yeah. divisive one was um, Westbrook versus Harden. 
Yeah, that, that was a very, very, yeah. very tense debate. It made us hate triple doubles. Yeah. <laughs> From that point on, everybody hates triple doubles now. <laughs> and then now it's going to be everyone hates analytics. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that's always and been the case. With, people... with every NMP, there's someone's gonna we're gonna hate something new. We hate yeah. triple doubles now, and now we're gonna hate like anything that's not points, rebounds, assists. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, people people have people have hated analytics now for for a little while. There there's a certain segment of people that were just always going to hate additional information. We just we arrived there. It's louder now than I thought it would ever be. But here we are. Right. Um, all right. That's going to do it here for this episode of the Anthony Irwin Show. Thank you a ton, Sopan, for hopping on with us and talking about this stuff. I find it all really interesting, the the, the response to winning time, uh, the the correlations between it and and journalism as we kind of know it. Um, I'm looking forward to continuing to, to talk to you uh, with it and about this because we're getting a second season of it, it sounds like. And uh, I, it's really going to be interesting if the people, if the subjects are going to quiet down on criticizing it because it only fueled interest in the show um there <laughs> so <laughs> so so we'll see how that goes but thank you a ton for hopping on uh you go ahead and uh, I'll, I'll give you the stage to plug whatever it is that you like to plug uh oh well thank you no i have a, I have a my debut novel coming out on july 5th called chaos the second act uh and then yeah that's pretty much that's pretty much it thanks so much for having me on man it was a blast any anytime we'll talk to you guys uh next week we have a lowdown coming tonight we have a pressure cooker coming tomorrow so check keep an eye out for that on silverscreenroll.com until all that and until next week i'm anthony irwin saying have a good one